If you would, take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 22. I know that today is Palm Sunday, and oftentimes we, we speak about Christ entering into Jerusalem and, and the events of Palm Sunday, but today I actually want to speak about the cross and suffering. That's focusing more on what happened at the end of the week. Here now, God's Word. To the choir master, according to the doe of the dawn, a psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and in our Father's trust, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and, and were rescued, in you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and, and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who seek me mock me, they, they make mouths of me, they wag their, their heads. He trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him, let him rescue him, from, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me for trouble is near and there is none to help. Many bowls encompass me. Strong bowls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a raving and roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint my heart is like wax it is melted within my breast my strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to my jaw you lay me in the dust of death for dogs encompass me a company of evildoers encircles me they have pierced my hands and feet i can count my bones they they stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in all of him. And you offspring, excuse me, all your offspring of Israel. For he has not despised of or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but he has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. 
Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told to the Lord, to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. Amen. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Uh, you may be seated. Uh, I do want to thank Kevin DeYoung for many of the insights I'm going to be sharing with you today. But before we look at God's word this morning, I, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessing on his word this morning. Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful song uh, that just addresses so pointedly where we live our lives. And Lord, in and, and the lives of, of everyone in this world in which we live. It's, it's a fallen world. It's not perfect. God, oftentimes we see evil uh, prevail. Uh, Lord, people suffer. Uh, it, it, it is hard. But we thank you that you understand. And you have given us your word. And we just pray that we would take it to heart this morning and listen. That your spirit would find fertile soil in our hearts to receive this and, and bear fruit. We pray in your name. Amen. Well, this morning, I think it's uh, pretty commonly known that none of us in this room are immune to suffering. We all suffer in some way or another. And often the older we get, right, the more we experience the real world and all the suffering that comes with it. But even as we were reminded this week in Nashville, sometimes the pain of that world comes even to those who are very young. We all experience suffering. And there are some experiences, I think, in life that are common really to everybody, and suffering is, is one of those. And, and you can probably think of those little experiences in your life that are typical for for many of us, really, on any given week in ways that we might suffer. And it might be that someone hurts your feelings. Kids, have you ever had that happen where somebody says something and they hurt your feelings? Or, or maybe you get embarrassed. Or maybe you're suffering because you don't get enough sleep. Or maybe you can't sleep at night. You're just, you toss and you turn. And no matter what you try to do, you can't get sleep. It just seems to elude you. Maybe you're overworked at work. Or you're, you're frustrated in traffic. Or you have canker sores. Now, you may think that's a small thing, but if you have canker sores, you know exactly what I'm talking about, the suffering that takes place. Or, or maybe it's just the, the suffering of uh, the pain of regret, things you've done in your life that you just wish that you could go back and, and redo. These are things that probably happen to all of us day in and day out at, at some point in time. But then there's also more serious experiences of suffering that we go through. Things like a terrible illness, uh, some crushing disappointments in life, uh, just even maybe dreams that we have that we've had all our whole life but they are still unfulfilled. Uh, maybe people have shown prejudice to us or injustice towards us. Uh, maybe uh, you've experienced a, a car accident uh, that has left you uh, damaged in some way, or maybe you've experienced a house fire or some tragic like that. Maybe the death of a grandparent or a parent or a sibling. You know, and these are things that if you live long enough, most likely you're going to experience something in this category 
But then there are those, those kind of uh, sufferings that are just almost debilitating. Uh, sufferings that may not, maybe not everybody experiences, but oftentimes we're all affected by them because we know someone who's going through these things. Things like people who go through chemotherapy or people who have a wayward child, um, maybe a bitterly unhappy marriage, or someone who has been deeply betrayed by someone who is very close to them and who they highly respected. It, it may be um, addiction that, that you have or temptation that you've prayed about and the Lord hasn't taken that away. Maybe it's uh, same-sex uh, desires. Maybe it's uh, crippling anxiety uh, that you have had or unexplained depression. Maybe it's been something like rape or, or abuse that you've experienced in your life. And, and no one in this room knows about it, but you live with it each and every day. Or maybe it's something like chronic pain. Uh, every day you face, it, it's just a day where you're just trying to get through things because of, uh, of this pain. It could be infertility. Or maybe you've had a child that's been born with complications. Maybe you've uh, known someone who has committed suicide. Or maybe even the death of a spouse. And, and what makes it so difficult sometimes, and, and in all that, is this unrelenting sense sometimes that God has left you. That God is silent in the midst of your suffering. Um, perhaps it's in those times that you've even wondered if God exists. Um, you, as a Christian, you, do, you don't want to say that out loud, but you have wrestled with that. And you've been, Lord, where are you in these times? Um, so, you know, to, in those times, to say that life is hard just seems almost trivial uh, because of the, the pain and the difficulty. And so this morning we want to turn to this psalm. And I, I know Psalm 22 is oftentimes seen as sort of a heavy psalm, you know, sort of like a downer in one sense. You, you sort of read this psalm and you think, wow, I thought I felt bad before. Now I really feel bad. But actually, as you look at this psalm, it's amazing good news for all of us who suffer. And the reality is all of us suffer. So it's the good news for all of us here today. And I want us to see in these psalms two things. First of all, that the Bible understands our suffering. And, and when I say the Bible understands our suffering, really what I'm saying is God understands our suffering. And he's communicated that in his word, that he is a God who understands those things that we go through. The second thing I want us to see is, is that Christ transforms our suffering. Christ transforms our suffering. So just two points. So first of all, the Bible understands our suffering. The Bible understands what suffering can feel like for us. And Chase sort of alluded to this in Sunday school. You know, he said, you know, the Psalms do address our intellect, you know, but they actually address all of us, even what we feel, those things that we are experiencing as well. And uh, verses 1 and 2 are a great, uh, great description of sometimes what we go through. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's a sense in which you know that God is God. It, it is a sense in which it's a prayer of faith to him. But still, there's just a sense of, 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 of you are my God, and yet you let this happen to me. And then the psalmist asks 
a, a number of questions. Four, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? Why are you so far from the words of my groaning? Why, why don't you answer me? Why don't you give me rest? Has anybody here ever asked that question? You don't have to give me a show of hands. But most likely we all have at some point in time asked questions like that. Um, and after expressing his feelings of being abandoned by God, then David expresses the emotional pain of being rejected by others as if it's not enough that God is not there then there are others who are, are mocking and taunting him I look at verse 6 but I am a worm and not a man scorned by mankind and despised by the people all who see me mock me they make mouths at me they wag their heads they, they tr he trusts in the Lord let him deliver him let him rescue him for he delights in him. You know, I mean, can you not just hear people saying this? You know, what, what a foolish hope you have to trust in a God who has done nothing for you. Have you ever had people say that to you? You see, there, there, there's something uh, so deep, something that just hurts us so deeply when others laugh at us and make fun of us. Now, Sometimes kids actually express that. Have you ever seen that? Where you have one kid that's making fun of another kid, teasing them uh, on the playground or on the park or whatever. And the kid who's being teased, what does he say? Stop laughing at me! Stop it! Now we as adults, we're more mature. We don't say that, right? But it hurts just as much, does it not? I mean, don't we all want to be seen as competent, we want people to like us, you know. Some of us may struggle with people pleasing more than others, but the reality is we all want to be accepted and we all want to be loved. And here is the psalmist, and, and they are laughing at him and they are making fun at him. Um, and then we see in verses 12 through 16 that David speaks of being attacked by bulls and lions and wild dogs that surround him. He says in verse 12, many bulls encompass me. Uh, uh, verse 13, they open wide their mouths at me. And uh, he talks about roaring lions. Uh, verse 14, I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within my breast. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. Have you ever felt like that? You see, the Bible understands the suffering that you go through. I'm spent, I'm, I'm dried up, I have nothing left to give, I'm, I'm done. Do you ever have those weeks where, where you feel like you've been pounded to the mat and, and, and you've been knocked down and, and you can't get up and you're definitely not thinking of the victorious Christian life at the moment, you're just thinking, can I get through today? Can I even get to tomorrow? Well, the Bible understands that feeling. Look at verse 15. My, my strength is dried up like a potsherd and my, my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. You know, it says if David is sort of saying the vultures are, are surrounding me. And, and, and then in verses 14 through 16, David describes a, a dreadful physical pain that, that he's experiencing. It's like I'm, I'm laying here and I'm in, I'm in this physical pain. I'm in this emotional pain. I, 
I feel like God is, is not here. And, and I can see, sort of see the rest of the world around me just sort of going about its business. Nobody cares about the things that I'm going through. The devil is gloating over me. And, and sometimes it even seems like God is laughing at me. Many of you know uh, Andrew Peterson. I, I've heard you listen to his music and stuff. I know he's, he's an author, but he, he's probably best known for his music. And he wrote a song, and it's actually entitled The Silence of God. Let me just read to you the first two verses of his song and see if this sounds familiar. He says, It's enough to drive a man crazy. It'll break a man's faith. It's enough to make him wonder if he's ever been sane. When he's bleeding for comfort from thy staff and thy rod, and the heaven's only answer is the silence of God. And I'll shake a man's timbers when he loses his heart, when he has to remember that broke him, what broke him apart. This yoke may, may be easy, but this burden is not. When the crying fields are frozen by the silence of God. Have you ever felt that way? The Bible understands what it feels like to have God be utterly silent. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why don't you listen? Why don't you say something? Answer me, God! Don't you sometimes in those times just wish that God would just even say, no, I'm not going to give you what you want. Even that would be easier to handle than to hear nothing. The Bible understands what suffering can feel like. Well, David uh, describes what goes on in the life of a believer. And I want us to look at that here in this song. Um, there's sort of this internal turmoil that goes on in a person's life oftentimes as a Christian as, as they're struggling with the silence of God. Um, uh, a Christian oftentimes uh, are in those circumstances where they just want to give up because things are so difficult, but then they also want to believe. But then they're hurt so badly, and so they want to withdraw, but then you, you think of God and and, and that you want to trust Him, and so you're seeking to do that, but then you think that you can't go on any longer, and you can't go through this. You just want this pain to be resolved and to stop, but then you know that there's hope in God, and there's just sort of this back and forth, and, and David exhibits this. And if you look at Psalm 22, you sort of see this pattern of hope and despair and despair and hope, and, and the reality is, brothers and sisters, that's where we live. Look, look if you would, at verse 1. He says, uh, first you see the despair. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then look down at verse 3 through 5. Then he talks about how you are holy. You are enthroned. He once again has confidence in, in the character of God and, and what God has done in the midst of his people. He looks at the church and the, the things. Maybe he's, a, he's, he's thought back through church history at the way that God has been faithful to his bride. And he's encouraged by that. But then in verses 6 through 8, he goes back to despair. I'm a worm, not a man, and people mock me. And then, and, and then in verses 9 through 11, he says, yet, yet you are he who took me from the womb. You, you made me trust since I was just a little baby. Uh, and on you I have, 
was cast from my birth. You have always been with me. And, and he's saying there, you know, God, you have not only been faithful to your people, the church, and I've not only seen that, but I've also experienced it in my own life as you have been faithful to me and the things that you have done. And that's encouraging as I remember how God has shown his love to me from time to time. But then he sort of cycles back down in verses 12 through 18 with all the enemies that are surrounding him, the bulls, the lions, the dogs. And then in verse 19, he transitions again and he says, But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword and my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. You see, he says that in verse 21. That's sort of the, 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 the changing point, the transition point in this psalm is verse 21. You have rescued me. Or you may have a footnote in your Bible. There's an alternate translation. You have answered me. You know, God was silent for all this time, but now he has come and he has answered me. You see, the Bible understands that when you hurt, you, you, you have this fight that is within you. You know, it's, it's a lot like the man, if you remember, when we went through the Gospel of Mark, and, and Jesus was up on the Mount of Transfiguration with a couple of his disciples, and they saw this glorious sight of Jesus being transformed, and then they came down from the mountain, and immediately they got down to the mountain, and there's the other disciples with this man, and they're sort of, you know, having this discussion and stuff, and, you know, the, the guy's like, okay, I give up on you disciples. He turns to Jesus, and he says, my son needs healed. He has a demon in him. And Jesus says, what? Believe. And the man says, what? I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Brothers and sisters, that's what we go through. Oftentimes as we go through suffering, especially when God is silent. And... It is so common for Christians to have that struggle in our midst. And we need to remember that, especially as other people in our lives go through that struggling. Maybe your wife is struggling. Maybe your husband is struggling. Maybe your kids are struggling. Maybe there's somebody else in the congregation that you know them pretty well and you talk to them during the week and you know what they're going through. And they have been struggling, and you realize now as you hear me talk, you're thinking, oh, wow, Pastor Rick, I think I've just been trying to fix them. But we need to learn to be patient with them. We need to be, let them go through that struggle. You know, it's, it's not as important as to where you start out in your suffering as much as it is where you end up in your suffering. One of the things we see in the Psalms is that it often takes much struggle in our souls before we land in a place of faith and hope and trust in God. Oftentimes we have to wrestle with that. We have, we have to struggle with that. And we need to give others the time to do that. And we need to be there to go alongside with them and to love them and to encourage them with the Word of God, to pray with them, yes, but not to fix them. Because it may be they need to continue to wrestle. And so it's important that 
in those times of suffering that we cry out to God. And if you look at David as he cries out to the Lord in each one of those times as he's recounting what the Lord has done with his people, with himself and others, you can see his faith getting stronger and stronger and stronger as he's, as he's looking to the Lord. And, and, and you may feel that God is not there, but don't stop talking to him. Don't stop praying to him. Don't stop crying out to him. You can see this throughout David's psalm, that despite the pain, David just keeps praying. You are holy. You delivered our fathers. You took me from my womb. You made me trust you. You helped me. You delivered me. You saved me. Keep crying out. You know, in some ways, I think I'm coming to learn that prayer is not nearly as complicated as what people want to make it. You know, I mean, there can be a lot to prayer. I understand that. But I think in some ways, and, and, and I think Kevin DeYoung is right, that's where I heard this, he, he said, you know, really all prayers can fit into two sentences. Either thank you, Lord, or help. It's really, that's, that's basically the, the two foundations of prayer, you know. We use millions of words to say, you know, thank you for the cross, thank you for your blessings, thank you for your provision, I worship you, God, for who you are, what you have done. Or maybe we pray, Lord, help me in my pain, or help me with my wandering child, or help me with my broken marriage. Help me, Lord. You have to believe that God hears you, even when he seems to be silent. He is listening. And, and there's probably nothing more infuriating for us as, as human beings than when people don't listen to us, right? You know, I mean, maybe you have somebody at work. Maybe you're a manager at work and your employees won't listen to you. Or maybe you're an employee and your manager never listens to you. You just feel like they, they always tell you what to do, but they never listen to what you're saying. You know, or parents and kids, you know, right? It goes that back and forth. You know, parents are like, kids, did you guys not hear what I'm saying? I told you to clean up your room, you know, or whatever it is that you told them to do. Or, you know, how many times as parents do our kids go, Mommy, 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 Daddy, 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 Daddy. And we just like, it's white noise. We don't even listen. It's just so infuriating when people don't listen to us. But we need to understand that you don't have to fear that with God. He always hears. He always listens. If you would, turn with me over to the book of Exodus. Um, Exodus 20, or Exodus 2, excuse me. Exodus 2, verse 23. It's, it's a great passage that talks about how God hears. We read, During those many days the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel. And God knew. Now, you see here, obviously, God hears. But... Interestingly, it, it doesn't go on to say, and then God shot down lightning from heaven and struck all the enemies and brought all the plagues and he let his people go free. It, it doesn't say that. It just ends chapter 2 by saying, and God knew. So God knew that his people were oppressed in Egypt. 
You know, on that Saturday after Christ was crucified and he lay silent in the tomb, God knew. And God knows whatever you're in the midst of right now. And he hears and he knows. When you plead with him and you pray with him, he knows. And I just want to say, brothers and sisters, keep praying to him. So God understands our suffering. The Bible understands our suffering. It uses the language of our suffering so appropriately. But the second thing we see is, is that Christ transforms our suffering. God doesn't leave us there. Uh, this psalm's not simply about David. Um, some uh, authors actually say it really has nothing to do with David's experience. It's all about Christ. And I think that's going too far. The psalm does talk about what David experienced, but it, it's not simply about David, because David didn't experience everything that happens in this psalm. And, and as we'll see, Jesus must have been meditating on this psalm because he quotes it a couple of times as he's, as he's on the cross, right? Um, showing that Christ has something to do with our suffering, that Christ is transforming our suffering. He shows us that God has a, a redemptive plan in suffering. And the gospel writers go to great lengths to show that Jesus was fulfilling Psalm uh, 22. I mean, listen to these words. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Okay, which is Aramaic for, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These are the words that Christ spoke on, on the cross that we see from, from verse 1. And then we see in verses 6 and 7, Jesus was mocked and he was scoffed, right? Uh, Matthew uh, 27, 43 says, uh, as they were talking about Christ, those around him says, he trusts in God, let God deliver him now if he desires him. Now doesn't that sound an awful lot like Psalm 22, verse 8? Or what about Christ when he was suffered, surrounded by his enemies, just like David in verses 12 and following? Or uh, even verse 15, the second part of that, where it talks about his tongue sticking to his mouth out of thirst, or, or Christ, his hands and his feet being pierced, like in verse 16, or his enemies that are gloating over him and, and boasting over his misfortune in verse 17, or even the men casting lots for his clothes in verse 18. There's nothing like this in David's experience. You know, there's, there's, no, there's no death even. Crucifixion didn't exist. In David's day, it didn't come for many centuries later, and it was uh, brought about by a nation that didn't even exist at this time. And so there is a prophetic aspect to Psalm 22, where it talks about Christ and his suffering. And his suffering was not by accident, as we see in the gospel account. It was a part of God's plan, as we see stated here in Psalm 22. So if Christ's suffering was not an accident, then you can be assured that your suffering is not an accident as well. Now, at this point, a lot of people, when it comes to suffering, they want to run away from the sovereignty of God. Okay, they, they want to spare God the dilemma they think that suffering and sovereignty sort of causes. You know, they want to help God with the problem of how could a God, good God allow suffering, right? They, and so they, they want to do away with that. But the suffering of the Son of God ought to dissuade us from fleeing from the sovereignty of God. To know that, that that suffering that we go through is, 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 is directed by his sovereign hand out of the, the, the hand of a father who loves us 
so much that he would wound us so deeply to draw us so close to himself. And instead, you see, we should, we should run to him knowing that he is a father and he sees and he knows and he planned and he is ordained. You know, you, you get so familiar with the Bible, I think, that you quit hearing it, that you don't really listen to what it's really saying. You just sort of, you know, it's like the Charlie Brown teacher. You know, we sort of hear a noise. We know something's going on. We pick up some of it, and you're just going, you know, if you're a kid in Sunday school, you're like, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. I've heard that story, uh, Mrs. Franks, uh, a thousand times. I, I could, Yeah, I could tell you. It's no big deal. I, I got it. But we don't got it. We don't hear. I mean, think about Abraham and Sarah, you know, and, and, and what do we think of? Oh, they're going to have a baby. Oh, this is great. You know, it's, it's a great story. I love this. That They're old, they're ancient, they're feeble, you know, and they're going to have a baby. You know what we forget? They, they went through 25 years of waiting. 25 years, quarter of a century, waiting for this baby. Day in, day out, waiting, wondering, fighting back the doubt, trying to figure out how God's going to do this. What about the story of Joseph? Oh, I love the story of Joseph. Rags to riches kind of story. Right? You know? Okay, brothers selling him, Potiphar's wife thing, you know, he's in prison, all that stuff. But eventually, he rises to power, second in command, saves everybody. Yay, team, we win. You know, it's, it's that kind of story. But then we forget what it feels like to have your own brothers sell you into slavery or to be falsely accused by your, your master that you have worked so faithfully to serve or, or to be put in prison wrongly so and then help somebody else escape uh, to, to, to be the cupbearer to, to be put back into his, his position and, and ask him to, to put in a good word for you and, and for you to be forgotten for a couple of years and to sit in prison every day just wondering, are they going to bring the news of my pardon and nothing and nothing, and nothing for years. Well, we, you know, we could go through Moses, Daniel. What about David when he's being hunted down by Saul? Think about the disciples on the Saturday after Good Friday. You know, what, what were the disciples thinking? You know, well, we don't know exactly what they were thinking, but the Bible does tell us their reaction to Christ's death and, and, and how they were fearful and how they were locked themselves in a room. Uh, they, they thought the Messiah was dead. And, you know, Messiahs are not supposed to die. He's buried in a grave. I don't know. Maybe they were thinking we were fools to follow him. We gave so, we gave three years of our lives and, and, and nothing. And, and, and sometimes your experience of a, of a holy Saturday kind of thing Maybe it doesn't happen just a day or a week or months, but maybe you've been going through suffering for years. Maybe you've been wrestling. And when we know that the disciples on that Saturday thought that God had absolutely vacated his throne, but of course as time goes on, God reveals his plan and they discover that that's not the case, that Christ still sat upon his throne. 
And this morning I want to ask you, can you believe in the suffering of your life that God has a plan? That God has a plan for your life. That he loves you and he is taking you through this for a purpose. If you would, turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. In, in Hebrews 2, we, uh, it quotes Psalm 22. Actually, Psalm 22 too. Uh, if you look at Hebrews chapter 2 verse 12, we, we read the words of Psalm 22. I will tell you, I will, excuse me, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And, and he says before that, in verse 11 actually, that's, that's why I'm not ashamed to call them brothers. And in other words, in order for Christ to be qualified to be our high priest and our advocate and our propitiation, he had to take on human suffering. He had to do that which God cannot do. He had to become human so he could experience pain. Look at verse 17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Do you hear that good news? Christ is not ashamed to call us family as his children. Christ is not ashamed to suffer so that he might sympathize with those of us who suffer. You see, there's no other religion like Christianity because there is no other God like our God, brothers and sisters. You think about all the other gods of all the other religions and none has come and has suffered for their people so that he might have a relationship with them. So, so we can say to anyone who's in the hospital or in a funeral home or in the midst of some great tragedy, Christ can sympathize with you. And he is there with you in that pain. Christ transforms our suffering by ultimately triumphing over it. And, and we see that in, back in Psalm 22. Uh, look back in Psalm 22, verse 22 through 24. You see, Christ is pictured as singing and shouting in victory. And in verses 25 and 26, the saints are gathered in worship. Verses 27 and 28, the families of the earth will worship him. And, and verses 29 through 31 talks about even future generations will worship him. Brothers and sisters, that's the ending. That one day we will all stand in his presence as we read in our call to worship this morning. And the saints will be worshiping the Lamb. And so even the unborn they will have the good news proclaimed to them. And what is the good news? Look at the end of verse 31. That he has done it. Now this psalm is quoted twice by Christ on the cross. Verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But the second time he quotes it is verse 31. Where it says that he has done it. That also could be translated, it is finished. It is finished. Christ has clearly seen in his own death on the cross the fulfillment of this psalm and the triumph over suffering. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All the way to, it is finished, he has done it. And as you think about your own sin, and you think, I, I, I wish that sin could be paid for, 
I'm here to tell you, it has. Christ has done that. It is finished. And if you don't know that forgiveness, I want to talk to you after the worship service. But then you may also be here and, and you wish someone could understand your suffering. And I'm here to tell you, he has done it. He has done it. it it's, it's a lot like uh, Psalm 73 uh, with Asaph. You remember Asaph? He, he, he was struggling. Uh, he was in anxiety because he looked around at the arrogant and, and he looked at his own life and he's like, God, I'm a righteous person and I'm suffering. And I look at all these wicked people and they drive nice cars and they have big houses and they're prospering. They have lots of money. I'm faithful, Lord, and I'm struggling and they look like they're doing great. And Asaph said, you know, uh, in Psalm 73 too, he goes, my feet almost stumbled and my steps had nearly slipped. Until he got to verse 17. Then we read, he said, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I discerned their end. Then he remembered what the end of their life was going to be look like as they experienced the wrath of God. Well, the same is true for us as Christians. We need to keep the end in view. To know that even though we're going through suffering, maybe we have... Uh, an illness, maybe we have chronic pain, maybe we have wayward children, whatever it may be, and the suffering that we are going through, it will only be for this time. But one day all that will be put aside and we will be in the presence of God. You know, you hear people say all the time, you know, we need to make the Bible be alive. I don't know where they get that from. The Bible is alive. We're the ones that are dead. We're the ones that don't get it. The glorious realities of what Christ has done for us are so applicable. And no matter what you're facing or, or whatever will come, the Bible understands your suffering by Christ's death on the cross and his triumphant resurrection. He is utterly transforming our sufferings. And there's no better news than that, brothers and sisters, in all the world. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning and Maybe you need to cry out to the Lord or, or maybe you just need to thank Him that He understands and He is there with you. But just take just a few moments and silently respond to the, this word that the Lord has given to us in your prayers to Him. Heavenly Father, we, every one of us here this morning either are or I'm sure this week will be in some ways suffering. Lord, we pray that these words would be firmly fixed upon our minds to know where our hope is, to know that you are a God that, that knows and sees and, and you hear us.
and and you are acting in, in the right way, Lord, to, to be with your, your children. Um, but you have shown that on the cross with Christ, that we have a great hope in him. Oh, Lord, please encourage those that may be here today that are, that are downcast and, and trodden. We pray that you would lift their eyes to you, that they might continue to cry out to you, Lord, knowing that you are a God who hears. Father, as we prayed earlier, we continue to pray for our brothers and sisters who have uh, experienced such great tragedies. And Lord, we thank you that they are not a people who are without hope. Uh, Lord, please uh, lift them up. Glorify yourself, we pray, in their lives. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.